towards the tie-up. Two seconds, a centering feed, and it goes wide! And that's it! It's over! The Knights are going to the Stanley Cup Final! Every round we played, everybody uh, picked the other team against us. You know, I, I think we always had to believe in ourselves, be confident about ourselves, but we never uh, looked past anybody. I thought we always took every round, uh, every game of every round, you know, trying to play our best, and, and we've, been, we've been good at it. It's been an awesome ride so far. I mean, we've won three series, we're going to the Stanley Cup Finals, but again, this, is a, this, is, this isn't what we want, we want to win. Rory, the Vegas Golden Knights made the craziest run in expansion history last year. What did you think was going to happen with this team coming into this season? I remember on this podcast, my big prediction for the Vegas Golden Knights was they would get back to the conference final oh. and get dropped. I think I had Winnipeg going over them. I've changed my tune a little bit. I think they're the favorite in the Western Conference right now. Well, that's what we're here to talk about on the Tape to Tape pod, at least to kick it off. The Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, there's just still been this little part of you that gnaws, or at least me, I like to think other people, you just can't fully wrap your brain around this being real yet. Here they are just a couple weeks away from the end of their second season on the heels of going to the cup final. And man, does this team look good. Several key additions in the off season, but also in season. Max Pacioretty was hurt a bit to start the year. Paul Stastny was hurt. Those guys are in the lineup. Mark Stone, the big trade deadline acquisition in the lineup. And this team is really starting to cook. Yeah, and so my whole thinking behind Vegas getting back is that, look, I, like most people, fully expected that top line from last year to take some kind of a step back. And I, and I had a prediction, I actually have a little bet with a friend that William Carlson's point total would be closer to his goal total from last wow. year. That's actually 46? coming to fruition. Was it 46? 40... I can't remember the top of my head. Car- Carlson something. between Marcia show and Riley Smith, we should say. Yeah. And, and that that line would take a bit of a step back, but at the same time, it's 43, by the way, he's got 52 points right now. Uh, that line would take a bit of a step back and the combination of Paul Stasny and Max Pacioretty would really make up for some of that scoring and become the new de facto number one. Didn't really play out that way. I mean, when they played together, there was a pretty good combo, but it wasn't until the trade deadline in comes Mark stone and then that trio absolutely takes off. You add Mark Stone to Stasny and Pacioretty, and they totally take off. Pacioretty's, of course, injured again now, but it allows you to move Alex Tuck, who was your leading scorer at the trade deadline and was moved to the third line after, put him back up on the second line, and that flexibility in the fours has been great. And at the same time, since the trade deadline, the first line from last year, they're all pointing game players or above. And the secret weapon. Valentin Zikov, your boy, <laughs> one goal in eight games. Oh, well, he finally is playing in March after having not played for about a month and a half. But uh, yeah, Rory's that had, didn't come to he, fruition. Rory's had some legendary, uh, I don't know what you would call them. Not, not always rookie of the year, but watch out for guys. And Zikov is on the list. Hey, I'm who knows? so glad I didn't make him my Calder pick at the start of this season. Oh. Mark Andre Fleury also getting some rest down the stretch because this team yeah. has been locked into third. I mean, even with its surge, it's unlikely it could catch San Jose, but they've been locked into basically the same playoff spot for months. And that means you can rest your goalie a bit. Yeah. I mean, obviously you'd like to have home ice advantage in this case. I don't think it's a huge deal for the most part, but Vegas clearly there's something sure. going on on that place. And it's a blessing in disguise here. So Mark Andre Fleury leaves the team. He's got uh, a little injury that he's dealing with. He also had a newborn come into the world. This is, this is definitely a blessing because he's going to come back. He's probably going to play. Now you're looking at it. 
he's probably going to end up with 61 or 62 games if he joins the team here again shortly, which he's expected to. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think, especially when you look back and he's had a little bit of rest here over the last few games. He's going to go in fresh. That was my main concern with this team. But now you've got you've got him ready. You don't want to have to turn to Mal- Malcolm Subban. And that's my whole thing, too, is while they're the favorite in the West to me right now, that's with the assumption that Flurry is in net throughout, right? And he doesn't miss time to injury or whatever. Um, and another factor here is that the the top defense pair there that was the top defense pair, Nate Schmidt and Shea Theodore, have been split up. Both of them are now playing on their offside to give them a little bit more depth. So I think that's the tale of tape with this team here since the trade deadline is everything from your forwards, your 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 top defense, everything has been really spread out. All your skill guys are spread across three forward lines, two defense pairs, and that's just a, a difficult matchup for any team. There's some chatter the guy making that lineup, Gerard Gallant, the coach of the year last year, might be Ugh. doing a better job this year. And yeah, I mean, no coach is ever going to win back-to-back Jack Adams awards, right? We've gone into the pitfalls <laughs> here, yes. Yeah, if... if uh, it, you know when it, I think it happened? I, I'm going off the top of my head, okay. but I actually think, we'll look it up. I think the last time it happened was Jacques Demers in Detroit. I'm quite sure. So before the pod ends, wow. we'll, we'll confirm that. I'm pretty sure. But other than that, you're right. It's never even... Yeah, I'm right. There, Producer show says I'm wow. right. Fantastic. Wow. Um, Okay, that's never going to happen again, let's <laughs> say. And this this year, there's a lot of good candidates, obviously, that would be really difficult for, for him to achieve. But I think it's... I think it's fair. Like they had to deal with, again, the top line that wasn't producing the same. They had to deal with various injuries to some key players. Stasny and, and, and Patch were both gone for long stretches. Nate Schmidt was gone for the first 20 games of the season due to his suspension. You have no real backup goalie there. And, and he's done a really good job to keep this team on track. You know, they had enough, they had a slow start. Their home record wasn't as great as it was. And the feeling around yeah. them at the trade deadline was maybe they don't go all in because they don't feel like there's that same quote magic in the or whatever, but he's just kind of kept them on that path. And and to me, it feels like that magic is back right now. Well, we're going to talk about a bunch of teams that actually aren't going to the playoffs or most of them anyways, in this episode of tape to tape, we're going to bring Ian McIntyre on Sportsnet's Vancouver Canucks correspondent. The Canucks sure gave it a good go this year, but are going to fall short, but we'll be taking the 30,000 foot view with the Canucks and all the teams that are trending toward or have already uh, place themselves well outside the playoff picture. There are some silver linings to talk about. Let's just say in every case, even if it's a stretch and some. So we will start on the other side of the break with Ian McIntyre talking about what has been quite a surprising year in Vancouver, though it won't result in any playoff hockey. Lots of wrap your arms around if you're a Canucks fan. So stick around for that. Coming up shortly on Tape to Tape. The Tape to Tape podcast is brought to you by the next generation GMC Sierra Denali, complete with the world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate. Net sliding around on the way to pond hockey? Use the built-in load stop to help keep them in place. Loading what seems like half a team's worth of bags? The tailgate also turns into a step for easier access and has an inner gate that flips down for unloading all the gear you can fit. GMC Sierra Denali. We are professional grade.
Welcome back to Tape to Tape. As promised, joining us on the line now from Vancouver, he covers the Canucks for Sportsnet. It is Ian McIntyre. Ian, how you doing? Well, I'm doing very well. I'm, I'm wondering what I'm going to do with my time come the second week of April because it's obviously, yet again, the Canucks aren't going to be in the playoffs. But, uh, well, I guess they're inching in the right direction. Yeah, we, well, we hope. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's clear evidence of that. And don't worry. Uh, I know the guys around the newsroom, they'll find something for you. Don't worry. There'll be assignments. <laughs> we'll get a big uh, draft coming yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm. Yeah, I'm guessing there's going to be a fair bit of interest in the Maple Leafs. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't th- I don't think there's going to be a void of hockey coverage. <laughs> so you mentioned, I mean, we go back to just coming out of the All-Star break. It was still conceivable that this Vancouver team might squeeze in, was certainly outstripping expectations. The past month and a half, you know, that's when things have kind of come apart here. Just before we get into kind of the big picture of the whole season, what has happened since around the return after the All-Star break? Where have the cracks been? What has kind of been exposed about the team? Well, there there was actually a very a good chance, or at least a reasonable chance, that the Canucks uh, might have made a play, uh, a push for a playoff spot coming out of the All-Star break because they won, they won their first game back. And that put them in a playoff position. And it was also the first time all season that the team was absolutely healthy. They had, they had no injuries. And the schedule was looking a little more favorable, although they had a lot of travel in February. And there was, there was some genuine momentum and excitement around the team. And uh, then they had seven injuries in about uh, 10 days. And they just, uh, you know, they've got a long way to go to build the depth into this organization where they can sustain those kind of injuries. And especially on the back end, which is the the weak part of the Vancouver lineup right now. You know, they were without both uh, Chris Tanev and Alex Edler. I know every team has injuries and, and, you know, it's a poor excuse for losing because part of being, uh, a good professional team is is you win games when it's difficult, not only when it's easy and all the circumstances are favorable, but the Canucks just didn't have the depth to survive that, and they they got on a on a l- losing spell that uh, they really didn't come out of for about five weeks, and by the time they did come out of it, it was it was just too late. Before we go too far, let me just jump on two names there and get your quick take on Edler and Tanev. I mean, for different reasons, uh, their futures have been speculated about. Edler is a UFA come this summer. Tanev, uh, the summer after. But, you know, he's been a guy who whose name has come up in trade talk. What do you think happens with those guys in the uh, sort of near long-term future? Well, the Canucks are certainly hoping that they're going to get uh, Alex Edler re-signed because he has said innumerable times that he wants to finish his career with the Canucks and and you know wants to play here next year. He also uh, wanted that so badly that uh, just before the trade deadline, GM Jim Benning went to him after, interestingly, after they'd already opened discussions on a new contract, but went to him and said, well, just so we know our options, would you be willing to go here or here or here because Edler has a full no trade? And, and he said no. So the Canucks really didn't have any cards to play at that point other than to hope that they can get Edler re-signed. And the stumbling block there 
is probably going to be a no movement clause, which would affect uh, what the Canucks can do for this Seattle expansion draft. I know that seems a long way away, but this is a team with a lot of uh, good young players and they're hoping to add a couple more. So they have to be careful about, uh, you know, how many spots they, they can afford to, to protect veteran players. So in the end, my guess is that Edler resigns in his back and the Canucks really need him because they don't have a replacement. They don't have guys lined up in Utica or even in junior college, ready to step in and do what Alex Edler does. Quinn Hughes uh, is making uh, his debut, and you know he's going to help the defense a lot, but they need more than Quinn Hughes. So Edler is vitally important to them. Tanev, I don't think there's been the same urgency because he's not a UFA until the end of next year. But I think there's going to be Tanev conversations all through this summer, all through next season about what the Canucks should do and what his value is. Uh, I think if there was a really strong market uh, in trade, they would probably move him. But Tanev, as good as he is when he's healthy, has been hurt so often. And of course, he's out again for the rest of the season. He's been hurt so often that his trade value has really uh, been diminished. And he's still an important player to the Canucks. And he's still uh, an important player in the dressing room for his leadership and his mentorship. So the Canucks will have to decide, you know, what's the value in trade for Tanev versus the value he offers their organization. And uh, I think that that's, as I say, that's going to be an ongoing assessment, ongoing conversation. I think one of the better stories about this team that isn't talked about a lot, at least in these part of the woods, uh, is the goaltending of Jacob Markstrom, uh, 29 years old. He's been he's been really good for the Canucks uh, this year, keeping them in that playoff race. But you, you got a bit of a decision to make here over the next little bit. So he's a UFA as well in the summer of 2020. Thatcher Demko, the 23-year-old who missed significant time to injury himself this year, maybe you didn't see as much from him as you wanted to originally because of those injuries. Um, but probably next year the Canucks want to be pushing for the playoffs. The year after that, for sure. How do you see the, the next two years playing out in the future? Are they going to sign Markstrom before long are they going to wait on that to see how he performs next year and and where do you see Demko still fitting into this uh, I think they'll have a conversation with Markstrom uh, this summer and see if they can get him re-signed now because he has he has uh, erased pretty much obliterated a lot of the doubts about him and and you know when this season began people weren't sure whether he was an NHL starter and not only has he proved to be an NHL starter, at least this season for the Canucks, he's, he's been, since December 1st, one of the top six to eight goalies in the National Hockey League, uh, regardless of what kind of metrics you look at. So Markstrom has changed the conversation uh, about the goaltending here. Demko had always been considered the goalie of the future. And whenever there was a discussion about Demko, it was under the context of how do the Canucks get him ready to be their starter. And now they already have a starter in Markstrom. In some ways, it eases the pressure on Demko. Um, and it, gives, it certainly gives the clubs more options, more flexibility with what eventually they may want to do with their goaltending. But, you know, that, uh, that's only as good as long as they can keep Markstrom. And I think they'll make an attempt to keep him. 
I want to ask you now about a prospect. I mean, there's a lot of good emerging guys on this team, but maybe one that's kind of fallen off the radar a little bit because of injury as well. There's so many injuries following this team everywhere. Olio Olevi, um, what's, what's the latest with him? Um, and what is your expectation maybe over the summer or, or heading into next training camp for him? Yeah, well, he is kind of the forgotten man. They they shut him down in, back in December after he had actually had uh, a really solid, if not spectacular, start to the season in the American Hockey League. And, and the Canucks were pretty happy with his progress and were projecting him to to be in the NHL. And certainly with the injuries they've had, he'd have played a, a pile of NHL games for the Canucks by now had had he been healthy. So it's kind of a soft projection now that they, they think he'll be ready to play in the NHL next season, but he just played so few games this year, really uh, less than two months of hockey, that, that they can't say with a degree of certainty that he's going to be ready. One thing they are taking out of this, though, is because Ulevi has had health issues uh, off and on for a couple of years, that they're really going to use this time between last December and this September. It's a big chunk of time to get him physically in, in, in supreme shape so that, you know, physiologically he's ready for the NHL and that there's a chance he'll stay healthier and, and, you know, be a contributor for him. But, but he is a wild card. They just, they just don't know. He helps immensely. If he's ready to go, and assuming that Quinn Hughes is going to um, be as, even if he's not as good as he's projected, because he's projected to be a star, but if Quinn Hughes looks like he's going to be a good NHL player, and Yul Levy can come into the team as well, well, now you're bringing two guys into the defense, and that that will go a long way. That That in itself is probably not enough. They probably need at least three defensemen, uh, new, and I'm including Hughes, Hughes and Yolevi in that figure. They probably need three new defensemen for the start of next season. But if you can get Yolevi, uh, so that even if he's on third pairing and playing, you know, 16 minutes at the start, that would be a big win for the club. That would help. What are you expecting to see from Quinn Hughes when he does get into this lineup? Well, he is a tremendous skater. And the Canucks have have never had, and I mean that literally, they've never had a defenseman in their history. Because I, I grew up here, I was very young when they entered the NHL, and I, I don't have a lot of memories from the early 70s. But I certainly remember like late 70s and through the 80s, and, and I've covered the team since 1991. They have never had a defenseman who brings the dynamic aspects of the of the game and the ability to rush the puck, the ability to create offense from the back end, like Hughes is supposed to be able to do. Now he's, he's, he did it for the U S national development uh, program. He did it at the university of Michigan and he has done it on the world stage. This is a guy who last year um, at, after his freshman season at college and before he was drafted by the Canucks, was selected to play for Team USA at the Senior World Championships. And and he dazzled at the showcase tournament in BC last summer. He had he had a, a very good, if not quite great, but a very good World Junior tournament. And and so all indications are he's going to be 
a difference maker. But man, there's a lot of expectation and a lot of pressure. And in some respects, the, su- the success of Elias Pettersson this season has has made that pressure even uh, more greater on on Quinn Hughes because Pedersen was a guy that everybody just couldn't wait to see and was supposed to be a dazzling offensive uh, driver from Sweden, a Swedish league MVP expectations were so high for Pedersen and then he exceeded them. He's even better already than people thought he was going to be. And I'm afraid, (laughs) I'm afraid too many people may expect the same thing from Quinn Hughes Who's, who's playing, I think uh, most people would concede, uh, a much more difficult position for a young player just to come straight into the NHL out of college. But he is, he is a wonderful, wonderful prospect. Well, we somehow made it all the way to that point without mentioning Pedersen, but he is kind of wrapped up in the last thing I want to ask you. I mean, 10 months ago, um, as you said, there was some excitement around the team because Pedersen was coming in. Besser was coming off a year where almost certainly he would have been rookie of the year had he not got hurt. But, you know, you've also got Trevor Linden leaving the organization, a legend in those parts over, I guess I would call it philosophical differences. Maybe you would call it something different, but bottom line was it didn't look great. And I'm just curious how different the feel is around the team now that, you know, yes, they're not going to make the playoffs, but certainly from afar, it looks like there are way more really, really good things going on with this team than many people would have thought uh, a relatively short time ago. Yeah, I I would agree with that uh, assessment. I mean, they had a dismal preseason and the fact that they lost the Sedins last year from what was a very low scoring 73 point team. Most people thought uh, the Canucks, would finish in the 60s somewhere in points and and it looks like they're they could get around 80 you know maybe it's 78 maybe it's 82 but they're going to be uh you know at least 10 to 15 points better than most people thought they would be and that has been driven largely by the development of of the young players Pedersen's been wonderful Besser's kind of been up and down but Besser was coming back from serious injuries at, at the end of end of last year. Bo Horvat has been terrific, although he's had to play so much at times he's just kind of out of out of gas. And and then there are other players as well. Defensemen uh, Ben Hutton and, and Troy Stedcher have have kind of shown that they're going to be good NHL players. And that wasn't that wasn't certain at the start of the year, but through uh, through injuries to others, they've had a chance to play a lot. They've shown they can play well. And then we've talked about Markstrom and Quinn Hughes uh, coming in. So there are a lot of really positive boxes checked. But, I mean, it's been so long since the team was good. And it's a market that that there's, as you, as you guys are aware, intense scrutiny and and um, you know analysis constantly about what what's going right and what's going wrong. So there's a lot of pressure here, and, and the owners want to win as well. The Aquilini family really wants to win. I wasn't sure, frankly, w- whether they would be able to stomach this rebuild, but they've given Jim Benning a long runway to get this team up in the air. And next season is going to be the time when they have to fly. They're going to have to make the playoffs next year. So there's, you know, there's a lot to feel good about, but there's also an awful lot expected of this team next year and beyond.
Yeah, sure sounds like the honeymoon period is uh, pretty short. And come next September, uh, the heat is on, as you said. So that will be the major difference is uh, they won't be sneaking up on anyone, but should still be very fun to watch. Well, uh, let's hope so. And <laughs> and let's see how they finish this year. They, sure. have not been, they have not been good this week. And if they just dissipate and collapse, you know, maybe there's going to be changes even before next season. So... We'll see how they finish out, but the the good has outweighed the bad this season for sure. All right. Well, there you have it from Ian McIntyre on the ground in Vancouver. Thanks so much for your time today, Ian. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed the conversation. There he is, Ian McIntyre, giving us the up-close take on the Canucks, who, as I said, Rory, I mean, I'll be the first to say I had a lot of moments of what the heck is this team doing? But when you find guys like Besser in the mid twenties, want to say he was when he got drafted. When you mm-hmm. find yep, a late. guy fifth overall at the top of the draft, but not the very, very top, mm-hmm. who if you redrafted twenty seventeen would most certainly be going first overall. Man, that can make a big difference. And I'll tell you what else could make a big difference. I mean, Ian talked about the potential for them to to clunk out. I mean, they're not going to finish near the bottom of the league, but what if this is the year that the lottery balls fall Vancouver's way and they end up driving second overall or something? That's that's the big one. I mean, was it two years in a row that they fell down yes. in the draft lottery? The balls didn't go their way. If something could break and they end up with Capo Caco or, man, if they could land Quinn's brother Jack, amazing, th- that would completely alter the way we look at the Vancouver Canucks. And I think we're already looking at them as being in a relatively decent situation it's just it's just calgary san jose and vegas look like they're here to stay for at least another couple of years san jose is probably the one that's on the shortest leash out of all those but a a good a good base anyway it's just who are going to be those teams that push forward arizona is the one this year that's pushing into the playoffs how does vancouver get to that level where they're pushing into the playoffs it's not going to be an easy thing to do but at least you're starting with a really good collection of young players that can play with speed, that have some offensive upside, and then you're getting behind it all some really impressive and, and surprising goaltending from Markstrom. If if Demko can find some level of that next year too, then, I mean, we could very well be talking about the Canucks in the playoffs. The forever prospect, Jacob Markstrom, finally <laughs> makes good. Yeah, lots of silver linings in Vancouver and some really vibrant ones. After the break, we're going to talk about Basically what every team can tell itself to stay warm a night. All the teams that are either trending toward not making the playoffs or already firmly outside. And we'll throw a couple in the wild card teams as well that uh, may have a spot right now, but could still fall out because realistically, if we don't get to them this week, who knows when we will. So on the other side of the break, we're going to take a look at all those teams who fell short of their goal of the big spring dance, but we'll find a little consolation prize for each of them. Coming up on Tape to Tape. Looking to stream over 500 NHL games blackout free? Sportsnet Now is the product for you. Available to anyone over the internet, Sportsnet Now gives you 24-7 access to Sportsnet's channels, including content not available on TV. You can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices, including smartphones and tablets, Apple TV, Xbox, PlayStation, and Chromecast. 
sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like. You can also stream the NBA, MLB, Premier League, all of your favorite Sportsnet original programming and more. Visit snnow.ca for more details. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. Time to talk about the also-rans, the teams that, I mean, realistically, at this point, most teams enter the season maybe a little delusional, but telling themselves, hey, we should be able to make the playoffs. And (laughs) we all know um, basically half the league isn't going to do that. So what we'll do here is talk about the Canadian teams other than Vancouver, because we just chatted about Vancouver, that either are not going to make it for sure or still may not, i.e. Montreal is in a spot as we record this a day early on Wednesday. We'll be back to our normal slot coming out on Friday as opposed to Thursday, friends. But yes, the Canadians have a big one Thursday night at Columbus. Maybe they'll get in, maybe they won't. We'll talk about Montreal, Ottawa, and Edmonton. So where should we start? Why don't we do the Lone West team here? Edmonton. They still have what (laughs) Elliot Friedman calls two nuclear weapons, and they've got the ultimate nuke. I I don't know. Like, I I don't know if Edmonton fans at this point are like, yeah, I don't care. I'm sick of hearing that. But like, if you're going to be down, the bottom line is to have two guys that age and that good to hell of a starting point and throw in Nugent Hopkins too. Yeah. uh, You have two of the top four scorers in the NHL. There's your silver lining right there. It's the trick is finding the other players to fill that out. You know, find somebody like Tobias reader. Who's actually going to score goals. And then you don't have to blame that player. It was ridiculous. Hey, uh, Uh, you know who's a free agent in uh, 2020? Might be looking for a, a team with good centers, good scoring winger. Used to play at Edmonton. Just saying, Taylor Hall. Oh. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, we'll leave that. that we'll that leave that be, speculation that for next amazing. year. Yeah, but you also have like you have trade chips. Very few of them, and ver- ones that would be very difficult, I think, to move out at this juncture. Ryan Nugent Hopkins would yeah. be one. Seth Jones would be another one. Oscar Clefbaum. Caleb Jones. Or sorry, Caleb Jones. Uh, D- Darnell Nurse. Oscar Clefbaum. Like there's actually a decent collection of like youngish or effective blue liners back there that you could move out for something. Everybody's always looking for blue liners, right? Ethan Bear is another one, another guy who's kind of coming up and making a name. And like him and Jones especially, they're probably going to take a couple of more years to really hit their stride. And they're probably not going to be high end guys anyway, but you package them with something you could probably get, get something decent back to help you right now. Yes. He would be another guy that would be really sure. hard to pull the trigger on, but, and maybe you're selling him low. So it's a moot point. Anyway, your first round pick, depending on where that ends up in the draft, like you have options. Yeah. It's just getting the right GM to come in, in here and That's identify it. what the right moves are to make right now. It starts with getting someone you have faith in great segue to Ottawa. I feel like the silver lining is everything not called Eugene Melnick, but unfortunately that uh, casts a shadow over everything. I mean, the silver lining is they're absolutely loaded now with either guys who are in the NHL and already good. Like Thomas Shabbat, who is projecting as truly elite. Yep. Brunstrom coming over in a trade for stone is also, we're not talking good. Like the idea with this guy is he's going to be a serious defenseman stud Batherson, Logan Brown's come along in the AHL, all these picks, even if you don't have your own yeah. there, if you remove the Melnick factor, you'd be saying, well, it sucks right now, but give it two years. Yeah. And then there's also the factor of they might 
have a small difficulty, not that I think that we'll get there, of getting to the cap uh, floor, which means you can take on contracts sure. and a couple of other assets to give up, you know, to, to to take that contract off some other team's hands. So you have some leverage there. My silver lining for them is on the ice, in your prospect cupboard, it can't possibly get worse than it's been this season. Everything that could possibly have gone wrong went wrong. This is rock bottom. Yeah. It gets better from here. It really should. Uh, the Canadians, I mean, a surprise team challenging for the playoffs could still basically a coin flip as we yep. talked today, two up on Columbus. Columbus has a game in hand and a home game against the Canadians. I mean, I, I feel like there's any number of silver linings here from, you know, winning the max Domi trade, going from a complete and utter void at center to having Domi and yep. Dano and Kotkin Yemi, Gary yep. price. I mean, he has looked absolute pinpoint, amazing sharp the past three months. Um, I, I think there's a lot to feel good about if you're the Canadians, even if you end up falling one point short of the playoffs. Yeah. Even if you miss, like, I feel like they're a year or two ahead of where maybe they should be Easily. at this point. Like yes, Barry cut can you me the fact that he's even on this team right. playing as well as he has is, is an amazing story and he's going to keep taking steps up. You know, speaking of your depth at center, Ryan Paling was the MVP of the world juniors this year and had a great showing there. He's going to be, I don't know, is he going to be on this team next year, the year after? I think there's a decent chance he's there next year. So, you know, we'll see. And that's another potential center there. Maybe you can move somebody off to the wing, whatever you want to do. Like now you have options at center and how you want to proceed here. And so you can, you're still going to move into the future forever with Shea Weber and, and Carey Price as your kind of rocks behind this whole thing. But it, it really does look like everything is coming together a little quicker than it should have. All right, let's blow through the other teams. We'll start kind of at the bottom of the East. Again, looking for silver linings for all these non-playoff teams. Detroit, hey man, they haven't drafted in the top five since 1990. Hello, Keith Primo, <laughs> third overall. And there's a good chance with some luck this year, they will do that. Um, and I think the other thing with Detroit is they kind of seem to be one of those teams that might be in play for an offer sheet. So I think they're going to be aggressive. That would be amazing. I mean, Dylan Larkin is playing crazy minutes for them this season. Remember, he had a good rookie year and then he came back to earth a little bit. And, and it so it's great. good to see him come back up. And, and that's a huge plus for them. I think Anthony Mantha still has a lot to, of growing in his future. We haven't barely seen anything from Philip Zadina in the right. NHL yet. And what was he sixth overall last year? Um, no, a little bit. No, yeah, six. no it was yeah, six. Yeah, okay, six. it was six. Um, the only question for them is is their blue line, but it, again, like they just seem to have a few a, a few really good forward pieces to move into the future with. Plus, what they're going to take in this draft, and then there's the possibility that you get a new general manager here in then in the next uh, summer. And if it happens to be Steve Eiserman, who've moved back to Detroit and is done with the uh, Tampa Bay after this season, officially, I mean, he's just built that lightning up. That would be a huge silver lining for the Red Wings. New Jersey's tough because they were ahead of schedule making the playoffs last year. Yeah. I mean, the silver lining, I joked about Hall, but if they could lock him down this summer to a big contract uh, a year ahead of what would be his walk year, uh, that would certainly be good. I mean, I still think you feel pretty good if you're New Jersey. You're still in the asset accumulation business. Yes. And Corey Schneider has bounced back nicely. Corey Schneider has been really good of late. And further that Mackenzie Blackwood, the rookie goalie is, is coming on and, and he's had a really strong showing too. So I think one of the big takeaways from this year in the NHL as a whole is you need a tandem of goaltenders. Sure. New Jersey has started with that. And to your point, like they are still just accumulating players. 
you can't worry too much about last season. The playoffs are probably still a more longer team, a longer term thing for this team. You have to keep Taylor Hall, though, or yes. else I think you take a big step back. Buffalo, I mean, it's getting tough. They've lost 17 of 20, Whoa. but Eichel and Dolan are amazing pillars, and yeah. they're going to add, they still have two round, two first round picks. I could easily see a scenario where Buffalo keeps the higher pick and makes a trade for immediate help with the next one. Yeah. I just would worry about them feeling like they have to do something yep. to push it along because they're definitely behind schedule. But like a Montour type trade, same thing, right? Yeah, a young guy who's yeah, going to help you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do absolutely love that Montour pickup. I mean, he, I think he's looked really great. Yeah. Him and Darlene are going to be uh, fabulous. Um, I wonder if they're going to continue to play or if they'll be split up as they grow. Um, yeah, I mean, just like Vegas, you want to spread it out as far as you can. Um, I just think Jack Eichel's star gets swept under the rug because of where he plays. Um, when he's out of the lineup, you notice it on yeah. these Buffalo Sabres. It's really hard to pick a silver lining for this team because they've been a complete wasteland since that 10-game winning streak. They've been the same Buffalo Sabres of old, but I just I keep coming back to, yes, Rasmus Dahlin is the number one overall pick from last season, but Jack Eichel is an, an absolute stud superstar in this league. And I don't think that's fully blossomed yet. I think the thing for the Rangers might be that they might get back to their old DNA and take like a big rip at Eric Carlson or again, maybe an offer sheet. Yeah. You've, so you've got two first round picks and possibly three. If Tampa Bay wins the Stanley cup, you'll get their first round pick from uh, last year's McDonough trade. Um, you know, they just, they're kind, they're, they're ahead of New Jersey. Like they're still trying to accumulate assets, but you, you've got a pretty good base. Like Lias Anderson, Philip Hedl, these guys are going to work their way into the lineup. I think a lot more, uh, next season, you've got, uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, whose KHL season ended. There was a hope he was going to come over and play some games in the NHL this year, but his KHL team couldn't let him go. This is interesting. They couldn't let him go. They didn't want to let him go because, they would lose his rights if they do that before the KHL season ends. And with a potential lockout on the horizon, they want to have control of that player in case they can come sure. back. So they couldn't let him go right now, but I think the expectation is he does come over next year. And he's a really exciting young talent too. Unlike Ranger, a lot of Rangers teams in the past, this one has good younger young players to move forward with. And it really sounds like they're going to be in the Panarin market, that they're going to sure. do something to swing big, and they might be back quicker than you think. Speaking of Florida, I seed the floor. Panarin, Bobrovsky. <laughs> Please get a goalie in here this summer. Please don't trade Jonathan Huberto away. Oh I'm, I'm a little worried about that. I'm a little worried about doing that for like you know, some level of grit or some explanation of, of that, that worries me a little bit. I love Dale Talon as a GM, but that, that is a little bit worrisome for me. Um, I just think they need a goalie. I can't think that they look into this too much and overreact. Sure. Trade Mike Hoffman for, for some defense, bring in Bobrovsky. If you can't sign Bobrovsky, try and trade for Jonathan quick. And then they have three really solid forward prospects coming up as well. I think, I think the, the future is really bright for this team. I've said this so many freaking times though. You know, I can't, I can't get caught up in this same, <laughs> the same cycle, but I really think all they need is a consistent goaltender and the Florida Panthers are a playoff team. So these get easier as we move up Philly, of course, Carter Hart, Travis Konechny has taken a step. GVR is on the second best goal pace of his career. Yeah. Travis Sanheim looking good. Columbus, even if, they do miss, uh, given all the trades they made, 
They have, you still have Pierre-Luc Dubois, Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski to build around. That's a great start. Yep. We're not going to do Carolina because honestly, they're going to get in. We'll switch over to the West. LA also in the Panarin mix and I'm probably going to add a good coach in Todd McClellan. It sounds like. Yeah. <sighs> LA, I think out of all of these teams is the hardest to find a silver lining for. Yeah. Because it there's just not, seems there's not like just, there's no youth on there that gets you excited. It, yeah. It just seems like they're, they're on the cusp of going into a full on rebuild. Yeah. Does that mean trading quick? Does that mean trading drew Doughty? I mean, you're locked in Ajay Kopitar. In a I, sense, that might be the silver lining is that they could actually just jump in with both feet and get on with it, right? Yeah, I guess. And then, <laughs> then it's a long, long road back, apparent, uh, uh, potentially. But they, yeah, they don't have any prospects that really jump off the page at no. you and say, this is the next guy that's going to write the ship. I mean, maybe maybe it's Jack Hughes this year or Capo Cago. Maybe they are lucky at the lottery and they can get something. But I don't think even one player is going to change this so much when you have, when you have again, the three teams at the top of the Pacific, you got Vancouver making a push. They look like they're going to get there soon with young players. Edmonton has two of the top four scores. Arizona is just a good unit. Who's dealt with a lot of injuries this year. It's like, what, how does LA with its current core of aging veterans kind of move on from where they're at. They, they just seem like they haven't figured out yet that they need to blow this thing up. Anaheim seems a little better position. They have obviously are kind of stuck with some guys as well, but you do have, they've drafted well. Dallas Eakins is probably going to come up from the HL and coach guys like Troy Terry. Silverberg is stuck around. Raquel is starting to score. There's, you Gets know, left won't yeah. be this, this bad sure. offensively next and, year. And John still, Gibson was up. John Gibson. Yeah. Uh, Chicago. This is maybe the easiest team. The way Dylan yep. Strom has developed. The way Brendan Perlini has come along of late, both those guys coming over from Arizona. Crawford's been good since he came back. For you sure. kind of look at it and think, yep. would they have missed the playoffs, period, if he had been healthy the past few years? Maybe not cup contender, yep. but probably in the playoffs. Uh, Gustafson on defense. There's the Brin there's Cat. A, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot going here. All they need to do is find a little bit better team defense, I think. And that's what they'll figure out next season. They get some confidence back, yeah. work on your defense next season, and then and then they could be right back in the thick of it. Minnesota. Kind of stuck here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Th- th- okay. Maybe, maybe I should backtrack. This is the hardest team because you so. look at it and you say, what are they doing? Well, yeah. What, what is the focus here? I don't really, I wasn't a big fan of the trades Paul Fenton did make when he finally did pull the trigger on something. Although it does look like Ryan Donato is going to pan yes. out just fine for them. Um, but you're kind of like Parise, Suter. They both had really good seasons, but they're 34 years old, signed forever and ever beyond this season. Hard to get out from under those. Jason Zucker's coming off of a bad season. He's signed for the long term. I just think you look at it and say, some of these guys are due for bounce backs. And maybe it's just, I hate to say this, but maybe it's its a changing of the coach or something like that. Has Bruce Boudreaux, he's called out his team multiple times over the season, so much that he's even kind of said in post-game press conferences recently that he doesn't want to do that anymore. He said all he can. It just feels like he's kind of gotten yeah. to the end of the line there. And maybe it's just a new coach can breathe some new life into this. I'm cooking up a big uh, summer edition of fake trades where we send like Suter to Montreal to be <laughs> reunited with Weber. Cause oh, they, need, they need help yes. on the left side. Okay. Arizona. I mean, the silver lining is just what these guys have shown in, in keeping in this race. And obviously, yep. I mean, it has to start with Kemper, but yep. um, I mean, if you get your, your Nick Schmaltzes and the like back there, step on, I mean, go down the list of long stretches they played without guys. I mean, it's tough because who it's hard to see how Arizona will 
I can't assume they're just going to be back here this year because who are they going to bump in terms of the division they're in? Yeah. But by the same token, you think, man, if they can get this the same effort with some of their big boys back, then the, at least it looks like they're headed in the right direction. Some teams work really long to get the kind of defensive shutdown structure sure. Arizona already has in place. And they did this with losing so many key players for such long stretches of time to injury. Just get those guys back, work on some, some more offense. I think Clayton Keller blows up a little bit more next season. He took a step back this year. I, I think they've got a good base. It, it is hard to see because like some of these other teams, they don't have that superstar talent. That's really stamped stepping off the page for you. Maybe it's Keller, but he's not there yet. So how do they take that next step? So Colorado, that's, this is an easy one. They will probably have the best chance to draft first overall and Dallas, uh, which is probably going to get in, but we'll do them quickly. Anyways, only one of three teams to have, sorry, one of four teams. I apologize to have three defensemen with 30 points already. Heiskanen, Klingberg and Lindell. That's a nice young core. Uh, Heiskanen, obviously the youngest of them. I mean, it's Dallas, It'll be interesting to see, given uh, the the backdrop and uh, the comments we've talked about on this show, yep. and you know Jimmy yep. Lights going nuclear uh, before just before New Year's. But um, as I said, they're probably going to get in anyway, so they should at least have a playoff series to you know feel good about. First time in Dallas Stars history, they've had three defensemen with ten goals in a season too. So there something something's happening there. And and like Arizona, they have a really good defensive base. Ben Bishop is going to be in the yeah. thick of things for the Vesna. And I think they're way further ahead of Arizona in terms of offensive upside. If they can just get a second line, and I know we've seen some Rupe hints recently. Maybe he's a guy, maybe they can pick up a free agent. They've been active on the free agent market, haven't been successful so much in the last couple of years. But if they can bring in a, a superstar stud forward and they come back with two scoring lines next year I think Dallas could take another step all right there you have it don't say we don't pay attention to all the teams because boom that's all the ones who (laughs) aren't even going to make the playoffs and at least a little love for all of them all right man we are rocketing toward the end of the regular season let me get this straight next week our pod our regular pod will be basically be it for the regular season. And then we'll end up doing uh, a preview just before the playoffs kick off yes. um, in the middle of uh, the second week of April there. So man, that's crazy. Just one more sort of uh, typical pod to go here. Not that anything's typical in these parts. We always aim for the exceptional T2T listeners. Um, but yeah, man, it flies by no two ways about it make sure you are keeping up with all the action by following rory on twitter at rory boylan myself at dixon on sports go to sportsnet.ca for an array of things but of course where you can find the tape to tape pod there also subscribe in itunes and check back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on tape to tape your consolation prize. Goodbye.